several verses tonight, and let's look at our text one more time, 1 Timothy chapter 1, and as you're getting your Bible there, let me encourage you, be in prayer for Brother Coates. Uh, he went in back into the hospital last night, and right before church started tonight, we were just told that they're going to have to transfer him uh, back down to Stanford, and so anyway, be in prayer uh, for him if you would. And so, uh, just ask the Lord to watch over him and his health. All right, First Timothy chapter 1, if you would, verse 18. This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. We are in a battle. And I'm afraid that most Christians don't have a clue. We are, we are so enamored with life and just surviving life that we are not even beginning to see the spiritual warfare that's going on. The Apostle Paul here is looking at Timothy, his son in the faith, Paul was Timothy's mentor, and he's looking at Timothy and saying, listen, I want you to war a good warfare. And then he's going to go on, he's going to give him a couple things that he needs to understand if he's going to war a good warfare. Now, he's telling this to the preacher. If the preacher doesn't get it, we're in trouble. I was talking to your mom last week, and one of the churches that she went to, the pastor in the in the message in a message made a comment about he didn't understand why there was so much blood in the Bible or what it symbolized. After the after the service, she said. I had to have a conversation with that pastor. <laughs> and she said, what do you mean you don't know what it, what it means? He couldn't stay at that church. You know why? Because we have gotten so far away from the book. We have gotten into entertainment. Churches have moved to not, not being the church the Lord dealt with that in Revelation 2 and 3 with the churches. And the churches had, they had been sidelined. They had gotten sidetracked on the most important things. And the Lord said, listen, I am going to remove your candlestick. I am going to remove your charter, if you would, to where you are not, uh, in my eyes, even a church anymore. You can put whatever name you want to on the front of the building, but he was going to remove their, their right to be called a church in his eyes. Uh, and we're seeing that across our nation. America is in trouble. We're in trouble. And America is in trouble because the churches are in trouble. Those who hold the light are not sharing it. Now you have Paul looking at one of his preacher boys and he's telling him, 
uh, that he needs to war a good warfare. And he says, uh, he said, I charge thee, uh, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee. He is talking about all the doctrine, all the truth that Timothy had received. And he's saying, listen, uh, that has all been given to you. Uh, and he said, it went on before, before on thee that thou by them what you had been given, the tools that you had been given, the, the weapons of warfare, spiritually speaking, had been given to him, and by them he could war a good war- warfare. He says, holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. And this warfare that we are in, it's real. It's real. And though it is a spiritual warfare, and we're not picking up arms, and we do not have a visible uh, enemy that we look at, we are in a war. So hold your place here. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. 2 Corinthians chapter number 10. Look with me at verse number 3. The Bible says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Let, let me get your attention here for a second. You and I are to be pulling down spiritual strongholds, satanic strongholds. We are to be tearing them down, not watching them be built up. We're not to be spectators that are just watching the evil prevail. We are to be attacking that and bringing it down. Uh, The Lord said that his church, the gates of hell would not prevail against the church. What is that? Gates are a defensive mechanism. And the church is to be attacking the gates of hell. We are to be attacking the strongholds of hell. And you and I, we are to be pulling down those strongholds, uh, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter number 6. Ephesians 6. Familiar passages tonight, laying some groundwork. Ephesians chapter 6, look at verse 11. The Bible says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. This battle, this warfare he's talking about, we've got to have the armor on so we can stand against the enemy that we are facing. Verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. Let me tell you, we are in the evil day. We are in an evil day, and we need to be able to withstand. Uh, And he goes on, and having done all to stand, stand. 
Uh, he says, having done all to stand, let's see here, uh, stand therefore having your loins girt about with truth, having on the breastplate of righteousness and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace and above all taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplications for all saints. What do we find here? We find some of the armor that we need to have to be able to stand. We've got to be able to stand in this evil day, we've got to be able to stand in this spiritual warfare. 1 Peter 5, 1 Peter 5, 1 Peter 5, verse number 8 and 9, 1 Peter 5, where, verse number 8, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour, whom resist steadfast in the faith. Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in this world, are in the world. So in this battle, we, are, we have enemies. And the enemy that we have does not have flesh and blood on him. Though he will use people in this spiritual battle. And there are enemies that we will face that will oppose us. But the real enemy is not the one that we look at. The real enemy is Satan. Back in Ephesians 6.12, he said, We wrestle not against flesh and blood. First Peter 5, he said that we need to be sober, be vigilant. Because the adversary, the devil, our adversary, the devil... He is the enemy. So now Paul, as he's writing to Timothy, this young preacher, he instructs him. And this instruction, it's going to include a challenge. It's going to include a commission. And it's going to include a caution that he is going to face. Let's look back again at our text, 1 Timothy chapter 1. 1 Timothy 1. He said, this charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou mightest by them wore a good warfare, holding faith and a good conscience, which some, having put away concerning faith, have made shipwreck. And here he said, holding faith and a good conscience. Tonight I want to ask you a question what are you holding? What are you holding? Faith and a good conscience. And when we talk about holding, it's a passive idea. But that's not what he's wanting. Sort of like your Bible is sitting in your lap. You're holding it. 
but you're not really holding it. It's there, but it's not like you've got a grip on it. When Paul is talking to Timothy, and he is talking about a spiritual warfare, when he is saying, I want holding faith and a good conscience, I can imagine Paul, as he is telling him that, he's gripping his fists. Not that he's going to punch somebody, but he's, he's, he's envisioning the intensity that you've got to hold on to something. The, the knuckles are probably going white as he's envisioning that holding on to something to where you're not going to let go. Have you ever had something in your hand and a child wanted it? Maybe it's a coin. Well, Perry gave me this for our grandson. Uh, was just born, and if I put this in my hand and I was holding on to it, and one of the kids wanted to get that out of there, they could they could grab and they could try to pull, but they're not getting it. They're not getting it. You know what? There are some things that we've got to grab a hold of, and nobody's going to take it away from us. What? Are you holding? Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight. Thank you for your word. Thank you for our people. Lord, they're here because they want to hear from heaven. They want to grow in their faith. Uh, they want to succeed in the Christian life. And uh, Lord, they don't want to be a casualty. And I pray that you'd help us tonight uh, to glean some truths that will help us in our faith, please. So bless now for Christ's sake. Amen. So this this uh, uh, challenge, as Paul is looking at Timothy, uh, this challenge was there, uh, a challenge. He said, to war a good warfare. Uh, so number one is a challenge. Uh, he was going to war a good warfare. This charge I commit unto thee, this charge. Uh, and what was that charge? Was that, by th uh, that thou by them mightest war a good warfare. He said, I want you to fight the battle. I, I want you, as you are in the battle, I want you to be prepared for the battle. I want you to war a good warfare. So how was he going to do that? What were those guiding factors? Verse 19, he said, holding faith and a good conscience. Holding faith and a good conscience. So what are we holding on to in our faith? You know, it can't be vague. It can't be vague. You know why so many are walking away from the faith? Because they don't know what they had. It was, it was too general. It was, well, it was church. You know what? In church, you're going to get offended. You're going to. But guess what? I get offended too. It goes both ways. Uh, you get around people, uh, you're going to get offended. It, it's just part of what's going to happen. Somebody's going to say something that they, uh, they 
maybe they intended to hurt you. Maybe they just didn't pay attention to the words that they said. Uh, but we're going to get offended. There's somebody that's going to uh, disregard us. Uh, you're going to look at somebody, see them. You're excited to see them. Hey, how you doing? And they keep on walking by and don't even look at you. Uh, or they look at you and you think that they just completely blew you off. And in their mind, they were going somewhere else. They saw you, but it just didn't click. Uh, and, you know, in life, uh, we, we've got to recognize that uh, we're in a spiritual battle and the devil wants to do whatever he can to get us uh, to be destroyed in this battle. So holding, what are we holding? Our faith. And so uh, in our faith, what are we holding on to? We need to be holding on to God. Amen. Now, when I talk about holding on to God, if I'm going to hold on to God, if my faith is wrapped up in God, I better know God. Because if I don't know God, then, then there really isn't any relationship there. You can be saved and not have a relationship with the Lord. There are a lot of people that are born into this world that have zero relationship with a biological parent. Now, when you get saved, you get saved because a personal decision by faith to accept Christ and what he did on the cross. That's just being born into the family of God. Now there's a whole life to live. There's a whole relationship uh, to develop. And, and, and here, uh, what are we holding on to? Is God a vague idea or is there a relationship? A vague idea or relationship. Now, that's challenging. But if we're going to war a good warfare, we better know the one that we're on. He's on, we're on his side. We better know him. We need to know him. Uh, God can't be just a vague idea. There has to be a relationship uh, with uh, our heavenly Father, uh, God, uh, the Father, uh, Jesus. Do you love the Lord? If I were to ask you, what do you love about him? You ask me what I love about Deb, and I can tell you a lot of things that I love about her. Why? Because there's a relationship. It's not, it's not imaginary. Our faith is not imaginary. It's not imaginary. And there better be a relationship. There's got to be a relationship with our Heavenly Father. There has to be a relationship with our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, He, God, manifested in the flesh. We celebrate that during the season, but He was born uh, in the flesh, made in the likeness of men, uh, and He came to this earth to purchase our salvation. What a wonderful Savior that we have, that He would be willing to die for me. Uh, he would be willing to live, come down uh, for me. Uh, God manifested in, our, in the flesh. He was our sacrifice for sin. Uh, and so we 
We, are, we need to be holding on to God. We need to be holding on to the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be holding on in our faith, holding faith. Uh, we better be having a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Holy Spirit, there should be conversations. There should be interaction in your life. The Holy Spirit indwells the believer. If there is no, if there is no Spirit that is bearing witness that you are a child of God, if the Spirit of God is not living within you, then you need to get saved. But if the Spirit of God is living within you, you need to have conversations with Him. You need to know the Spirit of God. There needs to be an interaction with the indwelling Spirit of God. Why? Because He convicts. He leads. He comforts. The, the Holy Spirit, he is called the comforter. We just spoke about the grace of God. We just sang about his grace uh, a moment ago. And as they were singing about the grace of God, oh, what, what happened in my soul was the Spirit of God. Just let me know, I'm still here. I'm here and I will comfort you and I will meet those needs and I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. You see, this area of our faith, we need to have a relationship. We need to be hanging on to God. Don't hang on to the church. Don't hang on to the pastor. Don't hang on to some other person. We need to be hanging on to God. Why? Because he will never fail. He will never fail. Holding faith. Holding faith. So here, as we're holding faith, we need to hold on to the book, Bible. And I know, I know the Bible is on the screen, and I know it's on a tablet, and I know it can be on a phone, and I know it can be spoken, and it could be listened to. But let me tell you, we better have a relationship with the Word of God. Because if we don't have a relationship with the Word of God, we will not war a good warfare. We need to hold on to the book. We need to hang on to the Word of God. Why? Because that has to be our foundation. Uh, that is how God has manifested Himself. So we know what He wants and who He is and how He wants us to live and how we should conduct ourselves and what is the mission of the believer. And we've got to come back to the book and we've got to be holding on to that. And we can't let anybody steal our faith from us. There are a lot of people that are allowing their faith to be stolen away. You know why? Because they weren't holding faith. Their faith was tied up in an experience. Faith was tied up into a feeling. You know what? The Christian life is an experience. And there are feelings. God gave us feelings. But our feelings are fallible. And our experiences, they're not always easy to nail down. 
Have you ever talked to somebody about the Lord and tried to get, nail them down on their salvation? And they go all over the place. Well, I was in the hospital and I was going to die and I told God that I didn't want to die and I lived, so he saved me. Well, he may have saved you from, allowed you not to die at that moment, but that didn't mean that you got saved. Sometimes there's all kinds of experiences, and it's hard to, to nail down some of that. Uh, and but what do we have to come back to? We have to come back to the book. What does God say in his word? Uh, so we have to have a uh, hold on. What are we holding? Uh, holding. We need to hold on to God. We need to hold on to the word of God. We need to hold on to the house of God. You know, as a believer, the house of God is vital. The the life of the believer should revolve around the house of God. It just revolves around the house of God. That's, that's New Testament. Uh, we look at the scriptures, the house of God. And with that, you have a pastor. And with that, you have people. Uh, you have your faith and your family. Uh, and, and if we don't have it right uh, vertically, we won't have it right horizontally. And that's why we've got to hold to God first. But we also need each other. We, we need one another to come alongside. Uh, have, would you ever consider going into war by yourself? I think about the people over in Ukraine. In a matter of moments, their world was turned up that, upside down. Now all of a sudden, people that were Doctors and lawyers and farmers, they're having to pick up arms and literally fight for their life. Flee and fight, and it's unbelievable what, what they have experienced. But God, God tells us that we are in a spiritual warfare, and with that, the, the Apostle Paul is talking to Timothy, and the charge to, to him is... That, that you've got to hold on to faith and a good conscience. Why? So you can war a good warfare. But he wasn't telling Timothy to go fight the battle by himself. He was supposed to convey this to the church. Why? So the church collectively would be fighting the battle together. It's not one of us uh, that are in that fight. It's all of us. So faith, God, God the Father, Holy uh, the God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Word of God, the house of God. So holding faith, hold on to our faith, our belief uh, in God and, and what God says in His Word. And then we need to hold a good conscience. Good conscience. The word conscience here in the Greek is synodesis, and it's it's the psychological faculty that distinguishes between right and wrong. But you know what? There are people that have a wrong basis for what right and wrong is. I, when I grew up, church was not a part of our life. And there was a whole lot of things that this book tells us is wrong that we're a part of our family and a part of our life. And my conscience was fine with it. It didn't bother me at all. 
Deb and I started dating. And it's like little house on the prairie. I mean, she she didn't have any influences. They had a TV, but one channel. And I think Little House on the Prairie was the only show they could watch. You know what was on our TV? There was stuff on our TV all the time. Didn't even think about it. And then she came over to our house after we started dating. And was like, oh, 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 Carrie, turn, turn it off, turn it off. Completely different. Why? Because of the basis. You know, there, there are people that their conscience is okay with sin. You know why? Because it's not a good conscience before God. Holding faith. You've got to have the faith first. You've got to have truth first. And then once you have truth, now all of a sudden it is going to be the the guiding factor on this conscience. And our conscience should be guided by our relationship with God. Amen. Our conscience, this good conscience, should be a conscience that is in alignment with the truth of what God says. Uh, God said, be ye holy, for I, the Lord thy God, am holy. And so with that foundation of holiness and purity and righteousness, now uh, as I look at this world, I have to look at uh, this world through the, the view of Scripture. I've got to look at this through the view of my faith, my trust in God, in the truth of who God is and what God has said. And now with that, I can have a good conscience. I can have a conscience that is able to understand and align with what God says. But when we ignore the Holy Spirit, are you hushing me, Miss Rachel? <laughs> I look down and all of a sudden she's looking at one of the kids and she's saying, shh. But she's looking at me while she's saying it. (laughs) Uh, Faith and a good conscience. Uh, But you know what? Our conscience can be seared. It can be seared. The Bible talks about having your conscience seared with a hot iron. What is it? It is that hardness. You lose the sensitivity. Once that sensitivity is lost, you don't, you don't hear the Spirit of God telling you don't do that. You're saved tonight. You say, Pastor, I'm saved. I'm not hearing anything. I know I'm saved. I've accepted the Lord. But I've lost something. You ever lost your keys? I'm finding that I'm doing that more often all the time. This week I lost these keys. I went into the office. I had Miss Brenda. I said, can I, can I borrow your keys? I, I lost my keys. Maybe I left them back at the house for lunch or what, I don't know. Maybe I left them on my desk, so I got her keys, went in, opened my office. 
They weren't on my desk. I said, okay. I went and took her her keys back so I didn't lose them too. And then I thought, okay, maybe I left them at the house. And then I'm sitting there and, and I go through the day. And a little bit later, I reach to grab my uh, top left drawer and I opened the drawer, the left drawer there, and the keys were in the lock of my drawer. But when the drawer was closed, it was under, under the counter there, so I couldn't see it. You know, if we lose something, it's right where we left it. If we lost that sensitivity, it's right where we, where we lost it. We lost that relationship with the Lord. He hasn't left you. He hasn't forsaken you. But that relationship isn't as sweet as it once was. Uh, it is right where you left it. You got to go back. What have I allowed into my life that wasn't there before? What did I quit doing that I was doing when that relationship was sweet? What was I doing? Uh, I was serving the Lord and I was in church and I was reading my Bible and I was praying and I, I went soul winning and I, I was telling people about the Savior and I worked a bus route and uh, there was Sunday school service and there was things that I was doing for the Lord and that relationship was so sweet. That sensitivity was there and the Spirit of God was speaking to my heart and I don't hear it anymore. Right where you left it. Holding faith and a good conscience. That's the challenge. The challenge for, for Timothy was hold on to this. Uh, hold on uh, to faith and a good conscience. Uh, he said, don't let that go. Uh, so we had the challenge. Secondly, we have a commission. He said, I charge uh, this charge, I commit unto thee. I commit unto thee. What was he doing? Well, frankly, if you want to stand. He, he was saying, listen, I have something for you. And not only do I have something for I'm committing this to you. I'm giving this to you. And you have got to grab a hold of it. There is personal responsibility. Paul could not guarantee, Paul could, Paul's walk was not going to make Timothy's walk right. Paul's relationship was not going to make Timothy's relationship right. Uh, his, his charge to him and this, uh, this committing the faith to him, and when he was passing this off, Timothy had to say, you know what, that's what I want. You know what I'm afraid? I'm afraid so many Times we hold it out and people just look at it. They leave it there. As a pastor, I pray for you, prepare for you, and I hold it out every Sunday morning, and every Sunday night, and every Wednesday night. There are people that come and I can watch on their countenance. Oh, that's nice. That's good. But they don't grab a hold of it. If we're going to war a good warfare, what is committed, we've got to grab a hold of.
Paul is, he is handing this to Timothy, and he is wanting Timothy to grab a hold of it. He's, he is wanting Timothy not to just allow what he had been given to fall to the floor. And right now, we are, we are living in a day where the faith is literally, we are one generation away from extinction. We've got to grab a hold of it. Warfare is not a time to be passive. Well, pastor, I'm tired. I'm tired too. I'm sure Timothy was tired. But he wasn't as, he wasn't as tired as Paul was. And Paul here, he's handing it off. And he's wanting him to grab a hold of it. We've got to grab a hold of this, uh, this commission. Uh, he said, I commit that personal responsibility. The apostle Paul to Timothy, his protege, uh, a believer and a follower, a leader, a pastor, uh, and everything that we have, been, we have, we have been given. Teenagers, look at me for a second. Everything that you have, you have been given. Grab a hold of it. Don't let it fall. Don't let it fall. Grab a hold of it. This thing called the faith, grab a hold of it. This thing about the Christian life, grab a hold of it. Why? Because if it falls, we, we see where it leads. You see, we have the charge, and then we have the commission, but thirdly, what we, what we see is a caution. Caution. Why is, this, why is there a caution here? Uh, this caution is there, verse 19, holding faith and a good conscience, which some having put away concerning faith have made shipwreck. Some concerning faith made shipwreck. What happened? They put it away. They set it aside. And now their life is wrecked. Shipwreck. You know, shipwreck is not a part of any mariner's plan. Years ago, Deb and I were up in, and our family went up to San Juan Islands, and uh, we were up in... Uh, uh, Nia Bay area, and then we had a 21-foot bay liner that a friend let me borrow, and so we went out into the ocean, and we went through the San Juan Islands. We camped on one of the islands, James Island, uh, taking a boat and getting in a boat and going in the ocean and then landing on the island and going camping on that. That was a pretty cool event. And so, uh, anyway, we're camping, and then we start jumping from one island to another island. There are some places that uh, we wanted to see, and as we're shooting across, you're out way offshore. And I said, man, this is great, and I look down at the instruments, and I am in five foot of water. We're hundreds of yards offshore. Just because you're not close to shore does not mean it's, it's deep. And all of a sudden, I throttled down, and I think David was up on the bow, and I was like, buddy, watch for the ground. 
And he's up there, Dad, I can see the ground. I can see rocks. And it's like, whoa. And I'm trying to slow. You know, there's no brakes on a boat. And we're moving forward. I'm trying to make sure. What was the deal? We did not want to be shipwrecked. You know, there's a lot of people that are shipwrecked completely unintentional. There are a lot of broken people, not because they chose to be broken, not because they said, you know what, that's what I, I just want to destroy my life. No, but what happens, they, and some concerning faith, put away. And then the Apostle Paul names a few. You know what? We are so passive. Preacher gets up and names somebody now, and oh my goodness. Can't believe you called somebody out. But Paul did so. Why? Because it was for the benefit of the whole. It wasn't to injure. It was to protect. And here Paul now, he's looking and he's seeing some individuals and he's saying concerning faith, these people had put away that faith. They had put away that good conscience. And now concerning faith have made shipwreck. And Paul had given Timothy doctrine and preaching and mentoring and modeling. Uh, that doctrinal teaching uh, based on the word of God, the scripture. And, and then the practical application on how to live it out in the faith. And some had put it away and said, you know what? I I don't want that. And they're shipwreck. Now Paul is saying, listen, don't be there. He's warning Timothy. Why? So Timothy doesn't become a casualty. What was he saying? Believer, beware. Beware. When there's Shipwreck. I'm, I'm sure that Hymenaeus and Alexander were nice people. They did not gain influence inside the church by being mean. You know, if somebody is an apostate, people aren't going to listen to them. But what happened is now they're within the church and they have influence in the church. But now they're setting things aside that they should not have set aside concerning faith. And now they've made shipwreck. You know what? People that are shipwrecked take other people with them. They take other people with them. When you think about somebody that is drowning... Well-meaning people swim out in an attempt to save them from drowning. But the result is often that the person endeavoring to rescue is drowned as well. And there is a, there's a term for that. Uh, it is called an aver, A-V-I-R, aquatic victim instead of rescuer. 
they did not just drown, they are put into a category as Aver. Aquatic victim instead of rescuer. The intention was to be the rescuer, but they were drowned in the process. You know what? When people are shipwrecked, better be careful. Because they'll take you with them. You know, when they have lifeguards, they have a tether and they have a buoy. And they jump out in that water and they have that 10-foot line with that buoy that's behind them. And that's not an accessory. They're not trying to accessorize. It is a tool so when they get out into an area where someone is drowning, they will throw that to them. So they have something to grab onto instead of them. And then they still have the faculties to be able to swim and help get them back. But if they go out towards that person, the people are going to grab onto them. Wrap their arms up, wrap their legs up, trying to just climb over the top of them to get them out of the water and they push their rescuer under. You know, Paul is warning Timothy. Now, let me, let me say this. Timothy was the pastor. And the warning was to him. Someone that was used to spiritual warfare. Be careful about getting into battles that you're not prepared for. When somebody else is drowning, when we go to Galatians, the Bible says, ye which are spiritual, restore such an one. There is an admonition there. Why? Because of great danger. We've got to, we've got to make sure that we are, we're, we're ready for this spiritual battle. What are we holding? What are we holding? You know what we need to be holding? We need to be holding our faith. And we need to be holding on strong. And then within that faith, let's have a good conscience. Be able to live our faith in light of what God, our faith says we are to live. And Paul is saying, listen, you do those things and you will war a good warfare. The war of good warfare. There's too many casualties. I don't want any more. I don't want to see somebody else go under. I don't want to see somebody else shipwrecked. You know what we all need to do? We need to be holding. Holding our faith. Holding a good conscience. And as we do, what we'll find is that as we are in this battle... We will have what we need to survive. And not just to survive, but to succeed. We're, we're to be on the offense, not the defense. 
So, what are you holding? What do you got grip on tonight? You have grip on your faith? Pastor, it's not quite where it needs to be. Then let's grab on. I sort of let some things slide. Well, let's, let's be mindful and let's grab a hold of our faith and let's hold on strong. Why? So we can war this good warfare. Father, you know the needs of each heart tonight. I pray that the Spirit of God would work. Lord, I pray that our church would be strengthened uh, because our people, Lord, will hold on to our faith and, and then serve you out of a good conscience. And I pray that you would help us as we endeavor to live this life as a believer. And Lord, there are too many that have become shipwrecked. And Lord, we, we hate to see anyone else uh, become shipwrecked. I pray that you'd help us tonight. Uh, you know the needs of the hearts. Uh, help us, Lord, to realize and recognize our need for you, please. For Christ's sake, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together as the instruments play. The Holy Spirit spoke to your heart tonight. You respond. Holding faith and a good conscience. Family.